and uh, they are going to be from, first of all, Isaiah 9, then Isaiah 11, and then in Micah. Okay? Great. Isaiah 9, verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isaiah 11, chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. But with righteousness, he will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb and the leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, their young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel, he will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish and Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah nor Judah hostile to Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of uh, Philistia to the west together with the plunder. Together they will plunder the people of the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab. And the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. With a scorching wind, he will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. 
you'll break it up into seven streams so that anyone can cross over with sandals. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria. From there, for there was for Israel, sorry, as there was for Israel when he came up from Egypt. And then also in Micah chapter 5. But you, Bethlehem Epaphrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites." He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace when the Assyrians invade our land and march through our fortresses. We will raise against them seven shepherds, even eight commanders. These are our readings. This evening. It's Advent. Hooray! Who's got a uh, calendar? A few? Is it food uh, enabled? (laughs) Chocolate enabled? Um, Yeah, Advent. I wanted us to to think a a little bit about Advent. And um, when I became a Christian, I kind of was aware of Advent because of the candles in my day. We had the same one that had um, uh, those little doors you opened and they had started to fall off because of our little fingers weren't that dexterous when we were little. And there were little scenes of, of, uh, of the kind of the story of, of Christmas behind them. My brother had one and it was glittery and I had another one that was glittery. And year by year, they, they lost their glitter as glitter has a want to do. And and they became more and more tattered and threadbare, but it was really exciting to have them. We knew about recycling in those days, not like these ones. You pillage for chocolate and throw them away. Um, but I know Advent is a, is a curious time of this watching and waiting. I was uh, reminded of my goddaughter, who's I one year bought her one of these fancy chocolate Advent calendars, and it was a torture for her because... A day is a really long time, isn't it, for a little one? I mean, a lot happens in a day. And by the end of the day, they've got a bit grumpy. And uh, then they go to bed and, and they wake up and they're really excited again because it's a new day. And, but also there's a new chocolate to have. And uh, I, I remember the first year I got a chocolate uh, advent calendar. And I, was, I wasn't really that well supervised. And I used to kind of, I worked out if you went in the box underneath and slipped it out, you could kind of score the foil and extract the chocolates from behind without... Darren, she was pointing at you there. Not this year. 
It was torture for dear Eleanor because she was, she was so eager to, to get the, the chocolate. But, you know, kind of good parents that she has were saying, no, you have to wait. You have to wait. You have to watch. What day is it? Is it, is it tomorrow yet? To the little sister. It's like, no, you haven't had your sleep. It was more confusing for her when she was little because she did have an afternoon sleep. And, and it was like, I've woken up. It's a new day. No, you've got to wait some more. Um, it was a pain and a struggle for waiting for that chocolate behind the door. Advent is that season for us every year, every uh, December that reminds us of the watching and the waiting. Uh, takes time, doesn't it? For you know, if you watch the clock, it goes slowly. But it's right. I know. Oh, there we are. Bring your peace. I sometimes, um, I sometimes reflect a little bit about the language that I pray and the language that I use about God, and and I listen to to what people pray and, and the way that they address God. In our youth group, not so long ago, we were we were in. It was actually in um, uh, on the ramp to Easter for for Lent. We were looking at a whole theme of generosity, of God is the generous giver. And as we introduced that theme, I asked kind of the youth group and we wrote down on a piece of paper, what were they, the ways that they principally thought of as of God? And generosity didn't figure. And it reminded me that we, we focus on things that matter to us. The scriptures are really clear that God is generous, abounding in generosity. He gives his son, he gives his spirit. But in Christmas, maybe because of this week and of votes for bombs, I was reminded of, of how often we refer to Jesus as the peace bringer. He is the peace bringer. He is the prince of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. And how apt and right from the Old Testament as these Advent scriptures point to the Messiah, the coming one. They define his role. They define his calling. They define what the purposes of the king and the kingdom will be. The Prince of Peace. Dreaming of Peace. Martin Luther King Jr. had a dream. I won't pretend to do his accent. It would be 
not helpful. But a dream that stated, let us not wallow in the valley of despair, I say to you today, my friends. And so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day down in Alabama with its vicious racists, with its governor having his lips dripping with the words interposition and nullification, one day right there in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain made, shall be made low. And the rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. When we speak of peace, maybe we don't focus on the character of Jesus as the peace bringer because it seems too much of an ask. It just seems too far. But Isaiah and Micah and others, they had a dream too. They dreamt of a day when war wouldn't be no more, when there would be peace. Not just a lack of hostility, but peace where the lion and the leopard and the bear would cohabit and live with and chill out, chillax with the lamb and the goat and the year-old child. Not pie in the sky, but a dream of a king and a kingdom where peace would be the order of the day. Like Isaiah and Micah, we too dream for a day when war will be no more, don't we? When global nations are, are no more in conflict and families are no longer fighting with their neighbors of peace, where we can travel freely, of peace, where young lives aren't torn apart. This is a map of today's world, and I couldn't quite work out what the, the, si the, the size of all the little circles and the different colors were, but when I, I clicked on them, it's, it's a live conflict map. And each of the little pins, I, I think it's to do with, as I looked at it, is to do with news feed and Twitter feed and the amount of, of, of media that is covering a particular event. On every continent, apart from Australia, conflict, of violence, of war. In a global village, is it a global village? <laughs> when we talk and see of so much hostility. Just last month, we were, we were celebrating, remembering the end of, of the First World War of, of Remembrance Sunday, I came across this poem. It was written by a guy called Woodbine Willie. Do you remember, have you heard of Woodbine Willie? Woodbine Willie was an Anglican uh, minister and a poet, and he won the Military Cross for bravery 
in, as a padre in the trenches. He was under fire in one of the bloodiest battles in the history of the First World War. He was actually called Jeffrey Kennedy. But he got his name Woodbine Willie because he was very proud that as he would do his work on the, uh, the troop trains, he'd pass out giving out Bibles and cigarettes. And he himself was a chain smoker. Woodbine Willie. He said in this poem, Waste of muscle, waste of brain, waste of patience, waste of pain. Waste of manhood, waste of health, waste of beauty, waste of wealth. Waste of blood and waste of tears, waste of youth's most precious years. Wastes of ways the saints have trod, wastes of glory, waste of God. War. We long for the Prince of Peace to establish his reign. Of course, war isn't the only evil, but it is a significant one. There is hunger and disease and poverty and ignorance, and the prophets of old have a dream too about how the king and his kingdom will be. Here is a, a little graph of, of um, it's not quite up to date, it only goes up to 2012. It's world military expenditure from 1988 to 2012. And up the, um, the side here, I don't know if you can read it, it's dollars, billions at the 2011 uh, kind of um, adjusted prices. Billions of dollars. So a thousand billion dollars was the low point in 1998. It's now gone up to, I guess, around 1,600 1, billion dollars a year. I mean, who knows what that looks like. But alongside that, there's some research that's been carried out to say, well, how much would it, how much would it be to, to alleviate all of world poverty? How much per year? Any guesses? Less than that. $175 billion per year. I'm going to draw that by the wonder of technology on our map. live in a mad world. We really do. Prince of Peace, bring your reign and rule. US President Dwight Eisenhower said this, every gun that is made and his era. He said, every gun that, was, that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies in the final sense a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and who are not clothed. The arms, this world in arms is not spending money alone. It's spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. The cost of one modern heavy bomber is this, a modern brick school in more than 30 cities. It's two electric power plants serving a town of 60,000 people. It's two fine, fully equipped hospitals. It is some 50 miles of a concrete highway. 
We pay for a single fighter plane with half a million bushels of wheat. We pay for a single destroyer with new homes that could have housed more than 8,000 people. This, I repeat, is the best way of life to be found on the road the world has been taking. This is not a way of life at all in any true sense. Under the cloud of threatening war, it is humanity hanging from a cross of iron. It's, it can be overwhelming. But the prophets of old in their dream, in their dream remember and see that peace isn't just an abstract. Peace comes through the Lord. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called everlasting God, wonderful God, mighty father, prince of peace. That in Isaiah 2, he, God, will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for more. Just earlier in Micah chapter 4, he will, similarly to Isaiah, he will judge between many peoples and will settle disputes for strong nations far and wide. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train any more for war. In our series in prayer and in the watching and waiting of Advent, may we pray for the coming of his peace. May we pray for the coming of his peace in our lives. At Christmas time when it's true that most families fall out, big style. Not most, but it is the time that most families fall out, if they're going to. Pray for peace. The manifest presence of God will bring peace. Pray for peace. We so need it. Pray for peace with that in mind that the prophets saw it and Jesus brought it. And it's, it's fully brought in by Jesus. Pray for the reign and rule of Jesus. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. We're praying for peace too. Of swords being hammered into agricultural gear, of guns being put out of action. The two children cast in iron came across in Nagasaki at the Peace Gardens underneath where the bomb exploded in 1945. So much of that city caught in this giant bright flash of death and destruction. But it's there at Christmas. The angels cry it out. As a baby is born, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. The Paul in um, his, his letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. We are waiting and watching. We are yearning 
more so than a child eager for next day's chocolate, but a full revelation of peace. And it seems a long way off, but the angels sing and remind us Emmanuel has come, God with us. That all the dreams of Isaiah and Micah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Daniel and on and on and on saw the day coming when God would bring in his reign and rule. And in a few weeks, we shall declare that. And let us remember to sing it out. Peace on earth. Peace on earth. We watch and we wait. We pray. There is a place for dreaming of peace. It isn't abstract and divorced from Jesus, but at the heart of who he is. We have a dream. And this dream is becoming real. The increase of his government will know no end. And the zeal, the ability, the focus, the initiative of God will accomplish this. I'd like us to pray. I'd like us to pray if there's, if there's anxiety. Not just about the big world, and I know there is. In school this week, and I know with Kate when she talks sometimes to the young people, there's a deep unease about terrorism and bombs and random cruelty. It's like you described it the other day, like a cloud over them. In school with some year 10, so 14, 15-year-olds, one of the questions that they brought up was about terrorism. That we, we carry that ourselves, but I want to pray into any relationship that you may have that seems to be not characterized by peace. We want to pray the peace of God which transcends all understanding. The peace of Jesus into your heart, your mind, your circumstance. But we also want to pray for peace for our world. So I'm going to ask you to be a little bit brave, and if you're visiting, we are a little bit bonkers, don't worry about it. 